Welcome everyone. I'm Allison Vanberry and you're listening to the Midlife Muse. Welcome to episode two of Summer Camp. Apologies for alluding to that vaguely rapey holiday song, Baby It's Cold Outside, in the title for this episode. Although, just like in the original, I do aim to try to convince you to do something you may not want to do, and that's to spend a little more time out of doors, outside, away from the air conditioning, away from any source of electricity that might enable you to watch TV or run a vacuum cleaner, outside where you might encounter heat or a mosquito or the sun. We're doing short weekly slices of summer this season, episodes designed to inspire and inform my listeners on aspects of the summer months that can be beneficial to our mental health. And today we're talking about spending time in nature, which of course is an option all year round, but the summertime is special. It offers us more daylight hours, warmer temperatures, and the benefits of birdsong and other natural soundtracks, all of which have been scientifically proven to be advantageous to our mental and physical health. So let's dig in. Personally, I've always had all the anecdotal evidence I needed that time in nature was good for me. The fresh air, the wide open spaces, the reminder of my relatively tiny, tiny place in the much larger order of things, I feel all of that when I'm hiking or walking in the woods or sitting by the ocean. But a couple of years ago, a therapist colleague of mine recommended two books to me, The Nature Fix by Florence Williams and The Last Child in the Woods by Richard Louvre. I've referenced both of these in the description for this episode. And when I read those texts, I found all this hard evidence that some of you may need in order to be convinced to venture beyond your front doors. And I can't possibly summarize the nature fix in the 10 minutes allotted to this podcast, but I'll highlight a few points that I found really compelling. First, the author talks about the incredible demands modern life places on the average person's attention span. And I'm confident y'all know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that. Alerts on our phones, emails, voices, digital images. And in addition to all of that input, we're also asked to do a lot of task switching, which requires these really rapid shifts from one point of attention to another as we move back and forth and back and forth from attending to work to taking a call from our child's school, driving while listening to a book on Audible, meal planning while watching the morning news. Our brains are constantly working to filter out what's unimportant so we can focus on the task at hand. It's exhausting and it's not great for higher level thought either. But argues Florence Williams, when we place ourselves in a natural environment, the woods say, we give our brains significantly fewer choices, a lot less input to focus on, which frees up brain space for deeper level thinking and problem solving. And that's just our cognitive health. 
emotionally being surrounded by relatively neutral objects like trees and dirt and foliage and water, being surrounded by these objects gives our nervous systems the chance to stand down. And it's not that the woods don't provide input. They do, of course, everything does. In the woods, there's the sounds of birds, wind, animals scurrying in the underbrush. There's a million things to see, butterflies, birds, leaves, streams, rocks. There's the smell of pine and honeysuckle and the soft but firm bark of that tree you might need to grasp as you negotiate around a tricky root bed. But butterflies and trees have a very different effect on our nervous system than do ringing telephones or the sound of the microwave letting you know your popcorn is ready. Williams writes, quote, when I'm walking across a pleasant landscape, I feel I have time and I feel I have space. I'm breathing deeply things that smell good and seeing things that bring delight. Isn't that lovely? So being in nature gives our minds and souls permission to tune out the noises and notifications of everyday life and tune into a deeper source of knowledge. The Nature Fix also talks about the benefits of natural soundscapes. In other words, the sounds associated with nature, streams, wind, birdsong, And I I found this particular statistic astounding and a little bit disturbing. According to the National Park Service, 83% of land in the lower 48 states, 83% of all of the land in the lower 48 states sits within 3,500 feet of a road, which is close enough to hear vehicles. So even when we're in the woods, chances are ambient traffic sounds are still going to be present. I just think that's an interesting statistic. Other benefits beyond sound include just the value of our brains, taking in all of the patterns that occur in nature, like the symmetry with which leaves form or the number of flower petals or the spiral of a snail's shell. All of these patterns help reinforce natural laws and leave our brains ripe for understanding. And there's the importance of natural light. Williams writes that indoor and outdoor light are totally different beasts. I'm quoting her now. Even on overcast days, outdoor light is 10 times brighter and covers vastly more of the light spectrum. Studies have shown greater instances, this is really interesting, of myopia in urban areas like areas where folks spend less time in nature than in rural areas. There are real measurable impacts on our physical and mental health if we aren't spending time in our natural environments. And finally, and of great interest to me as a woman in her 50s, time in nature has been shown to protect aging brains from cognitive decline. And if you exercise in nature, like if you're running or biking or hiking in a natural setting, those effects multiply. So I 
this is sounding great, right? Like, why not get out there? The other book I mentioned, Last Child in the Woods, I'm just going to touch on really briefly. It focuses especially on what it terms nature deficit disorder, sort of a play on attention deficit disorder and how this is impacting our children. But it has really important implications for adults and families as well. The author Richard Louvre notes that, quote, weekends are no longer for recreation, but for all of the undone chores that pile up during the week. I'm sure that assessment rings true for many of us, right? And he suggests that we think of time in nature not as another thing to add to an already overfull to-do list, but rather as an antidote an antidote to the kind of lives we've been living, nature as medicine. He writes, quote, by taking nature experience out of the leisure column and placing it into the health column, we are more likely to take our children on that hike, end quote. And of course, we're more likely to take ourselves on that hike as well, right? And I love that, putting nature into the health column. So how do we do that? I hate to ask you to refer to technology in order to solve a nature problem, but for many of us, finding a good wide open natural setting is as simple as a Google search. You know, something like hiking trails near me. I would never in the normal course of driving around my Maryland town running errands know how many wooded trails are within a five to 10 mile radius of where I live. When I drive around, I see Wegmans, Target, Walmart, and the liquor store, but I don't see a single trailhead. You know, those entrances and parking areas aren't necessarily obvious, but for many of us, they're really surprisingly close. So Google it. If woods aren't your thing, um, or if you want to kind of build up to a walk in the woods, just try sitting on your back porch alone in the morning when the birds are singing and it's not too hot out yet. Or if you're really worried about those mosquitoes, sit inside, but, but near a window or a door screen so you can feel the fresh air and hear the sounds from outside. You might also hear a little bit of traffic, but you'll still get the benefits of the light and the fresh air and the sounds of wind and bird song. If you live in an urban environment and you don't have access to a car, see if you can take advantage of some of the planned green spaces like city parks. Even buying a house plant and bringing it into the home makes a difference. They talk about that in these books or at the very least tuning into some soundscape tracks during your next meditation session. And speaking of meditations, for this week's suggestion, I'm going to recommend a listening meditation. I've linked one in the description. I personally find guided listening meditations distracting because the whole point is to listen to sounds in nature, not the voice of the person guiding you. But if you're struggling with guiding yourself through a meditation like that, you can certainly start with the guided version and then move on to trying it by yourself. But it really is just as simple as finding a spot on your back porch, on a log in the forest, sitting down in the grass, closing your eyes and just taking a few deep breaths of fresh air to kind of 
orient yourself to the space and then begin to tune in to all of the ambient sounds around you. See if you can discern bird song, for example. Is it all the same or can you hear different kinds of calls? Can you hear the wind blowing through the trees or a squirrel scrambling across a tree branch? Just be present for all of the non-electronic, non-human, non-manufactured sounds that nature has to offer. So that's my slice of summer for this week. Work time in nature into your summer routine in the same way that you prioritize exercise or anything else you know to be beneficial to your mind, body, and spirit. Next week, we'll examine the value of summer cleaning. It's kind of like spring cleaning, but for the soul. And in the meantime, I wish you sweet, sweet, long summer days. And as always, thank you for listening.